South Carolina is looking at having one of its largest income tax reform packages in history. And what does that actually mean for you and your bottom line? I'm Dave Wilson, president of Palmetto Family with my colleague, Justin Hall. And we welcome to the studio today, our good friend, the Senator from Spartanburg, Josh Kimbrell. Senator Kimbrell, it has been a, uh, it's been a whirlwind of a session thus far, the second half, but information that came out yesterday is a huge step forward in seeing some massive changes for people's bottom lines at home. Well, you know, one of the things that, Dave, that I've talked about since the moment I got elected was we had to cut taxes. We needed to be in line with our Southeastern peers, and in my view, lower than our Southeastern peers. What Senate Finance Committee Chairman Senator Harvey Peeler, my neighboring senator, he's neighboring districts with me, uh, introduced now amounts to what would essentially be the largest income tax cut certainly in modern history, at least the last 30, 40 years in this state, $2 billion and a significant reduction. I, I believe this is the first of hopefully several waves to come, but it certainly puts us more in line with North Carolina and Georgia and states that we have to compete against. So why is that so important for us to look at, besides the fact it puts more money in our pockets at home? Why is that so important for us in looking at that from a regional perspective? Well, it's not just a regional perspective. Let's talk about it from the fact that y'all are Palmetto Family Council, and I applaud uh, your organization for taking on issues, both both you know moral issues as we view them, and then fiscal issues, because they're related. We've always made the argument they're related. What I've always believed is that South Carolina, because of our tax code, has to, for lack of a better way of putting it, this is a strong word, but we've sort of prostituted ourselves to companies that we want to come here. We go provide targeted tax deals, oftentimes the companies that don't agree with us on values, i.e., well, I won't start giving out names right now, but a lot of multinationals that come here that we feel like we have to bring them here by giving away the store. Well, that changes the culture over time. So this not only puts money in your pocket, not only does this put more money in the pockets of the average working family and the average small business, and now makes us more competitive vis-a-vis -vis North Carolina, Georgia, other states around us, without us having to go uh, bring out the welcome wagon for everybody that may not, companies that may not agree with us by giving them huge targeted tax deals and deed in lieu of fee and all this kind of stuff we do, these huge arrangements through the Commerce Department, uh, it makes more sense to provide organic growth by creating better soil conditions for economic development that don't require us to pick winners and losers in Columbia. Senator, this, when you're talking about tax, tax reform, people at home, we say driving to work, driving home, folding the laundry, it's not the sexiest topic to talk about people it doesn't grab people's attention why should our listeners pay attention to this as it begins to ramp up over this session well for one simple reason we have inflation right now where cost of goods of everything from cornflakes to clothes are more expensive than at any point and the fastest rate of growth of costs in our lifetime uh, certainly since these the early 70s late 70s and so i say most of our lifetime excluding Dave over there. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to take that gray-haired so, moment um, for a moment. Thank you, Senator. <laughs> most of our lifetime. But it, it's, so we have a cost. We just saw the inflation reports up 10%, right? That means that a family is trying to raise kids has a much harder time making ends meet. That's a real cost of living adjustment. By cutting taxes, actually in this state, people think, well, this is only going to affect the wealthy. Well, in South Carolina, when you make $10,000 and up, you're in the top marginal bracket. So us cutting that top marginal bracket by 2%, has a real world effect on everybody who's got a job. I mean, nobody has a job in this state that doesn't make more than $10,000. So everybody is gonna get a cut here, everybody. So we're talking a 2% reduction. So it doesn't take away all the pain of inflation, 
But if inflation is 8 to 10%, now we're cutting your taxes by 2%, the net pain from Biden is maybe only 6 to 8%. So we made it less painful from Washington. That's a real-world impact for everyday folks. So how does that make itself up then with a state budget that we have to make sure is funding what the state is supposed to be doing right now? We have more money than we need. That's the simple answer. Uh, we're not making it up. This, this isn't going to be, well, let's offset this somewhere else, okay? We, we, we're returning money to the people. We have seen really strong economic growth in South Carolina over the last five to 10 years. We have seen more businesses move here, more folks move here, uh, people pay more in taxes. And so we're running a huge surplus. What we're saying is rightful, we rightfully have recognized through this legislation that the money belongs to the people, that it doesn't belong to the government. And we're saying we're gonna rebate that excess money that we don't need to fund the core cost of government. So historically what's happened is we've had surpluses and the legislature's blown it on a whole bunch of pet projects, everything from rice museums to cotton museums in the middle of nowhere. That's not a function of government, right? So we're funding every core function of government. We're still putting more money towards roads and bridges and fixing the pothole. We're still doing more toward uh, addressing future pandemics and even the current health crisis. We are still funding education at a higher level. We're funding, the, we're, we're working hard to make sure we reform pension. That's gonna be something we're gonna talk about. We're working hard to make sure law enforcement gets a pay raise. We can do all those things and we still have billions of dollars left over. And we're saying of those four to $5 billion surplus, we're rebating at least $2 billion back to the people of the state. I think that's the right thing to do. So as one of the main sponsors then on this piece of legislation, you're working with Senator Peeler, with Senator Alexander, uh, key leadership in, when it comes to the finances of this state. What are you seeing as their perspectives? What is it that the Senate as a whole do you see looking at this issue? Are, are they... Are they grabbing hold of this because it's a, the right thing to do at the right time, or is there something else that's driving behind this? I think it's the right thing to do at the right time. I certainly think that's true. I don't want to speak for Senator Peeler or Senator Alexander, but based on my conversations with both of them, I, I believe they think it's the right thing to do, as do I. Uh, but you know, I, I would be lying if I told you we didn't want to outdo the House on this. So the House has been, for years, before we had this supermajority in the Senate now, you always hear... People in the House would say, and I love my House colleagues, I do, and this, this is good, good-natured ribbing. We'd always say, oh, good conservative legislation goes to the Senate to die. Well, now we're trying to outdo them. So I, th I think now we finally have a Senate that's more conservative on some issues at least, certainly on this issue, uh, than the House. When you think about where you're wanting to go with this, you, you see a massive reduction, a $2 billion impact that's going to be coming from this. What does the average person feel at home What's that do? Is there a dollar figure well, that kind of goes well, along with this? Or? It depends how much you make, right? So when you, when you respond in my response to Justin's question, it lessens the pain of the Biden misery index, if you will. So you've got, you've got a, the Biden misery index where we have inflation costs are up, uh, unemployment, or at least we're going to see the unemployment rate start to soften. We're seeing interest rates go up. So it softens the, the Biden misery index. That's what we're seeking to do, to put more money back in folks' pockets to help pay those exceptionally high gas prices and those exceptionally high food bills because we got a bunch of folks in Washington that spend like drunken sailors, which by the way, is in addition to advancing tax reform this week, we've also in, in committee at least, and I'm on judiciary, advanced convention of states legislation to call for an article five convention to force the federal government to balance its budget. So we're saying in South Carolina, we have balanced our budget. We're gonna now cut the excess spending and we're calling on Washington to stop making people's lives miserable. So literally this week in Columbia, we have done everything we can to improve 
the economic uh, fortunes of every single citizen of the state. So when we talk about the tax structure that exists right now in South Carolina, this is an antiquated code that it's it stair steps itself up from 1% to 7%, but the numbers that are, are written into law are numbers that were put into law back in the 1960s and 70s where you know an average person may be making $6,000 a year. Now everybody's making that highest tax bracket, right. will we see those numbers begin to shift? Is that a, a permanent number think, change? Or I think, how do I we think look the, at that? the rate cut's a permanent rate change. Now, the brackets are going to be addressed, I'm sure, down the line. We'll have more discussion on that. But look, this this for me, and I'm speaking for me now, this is for Senator Josh Kimball, not for everybody else, because I can't speak for them. This is a huge step forward. I'm very proud of this legislation. I'm very thankful that Senator Peeler advanced it. I think he's done a fantastic job in his first year as finance committee chairman to really cut taxes and live up to the fiscal conservatism that I know Senator Peeler's always stood for. I hope certainly though to build upon this. I, I don't want this to be the last thing we do. Uh, if, if you have Senator Kimball's long-term plan, it would be to eliminate all the business taxes and uh, eventually phase out all income taxes, period. But I view that as a, a long-term goal. So what does this mean for the state of South Carolina in four years from now, in six years from now, what does that? What do What do you hope to set up with that? Well, I think I think right now, see, so Governor Mash is up for election this year. This is this will be the biggest tax cut that he will sign, and and my guess is the next governor uh, in twenty six would likely pick up. You know, just depending on who that person may may be. Um, if there's a Republican who's focused on tax reform, I would hope this is a foundation for future cuts later. So this is the largest cut. Since uh, at least, again, at least the last 30 years, Senator Peeler deserves a great degree of credit for introducing this legislation. I think he's done a fabulous job. I hope that in the next four years in the Senate that I can continue to work with Chairman Peeler and others to find other ways to cut taxes. And I hope that, a, that another governor in 2026 will build upon that and go further and cut taxes more. We have to continue to be competitive. It's a dynamic environment. And North Carolina, even with a Democratic governor, has consistently cut taxes because the Republican legislature's overridden his veto. So it, so it says something that we're finally getting into the tax cut game. It's unfortunate that we're behind North Carolina, given that Roy Cooper's never met a tax hike he didn't like, and yet they've still cut taxes in North Carolina. Senator, pivoting just a bit from, from our topic of conversation, obviously the Senate's had a lot going on early on in the session. We're now six, seven weeks in at this point. Give the folks at home just a little bit of an inside look, what do you guys have coming down the stretch? What should the folks listening at home be aware of that's coming out of the Senate? Well, some things I think are important. I mean, obviously the tax cut we just discussed, Convention of States legislation that I think is important for reigning in Washington. I'm also really committed to making sure we pass some protections for religious liberty this year. I'm working hard on Senate Bill 811. Took a lot of heat from our friends on the left on that issue because the Attorney General of South Carolina came out this week and essentially wrote an opinion letter backing the position I've taken for over a year, and that is that cities like Columbia and other cities around our state that are trying to ban people in Christian therapy settings or any faith-based setting, really, from expressing their deeply held convictions on human sexuality or gender identity is, is wrong, it's unconstitutional, and we're going to make sure that in South Carolina you're not forced to choose between your principles and a paycheck if you happen to be a healthcare professional. I think that's important. I think you're going to see us work really hard. Uh, I hope we're going to do more on parental rights and making sure that the message that was sent loud and clear in Virginia about parents being in charge of their children's education and lifestyle decisions is, is codified and affirmed. We're working hard on Senate Bill 900 that Senator uh, Dwight Loftus and I and Senator Michael Johnson of York have worked on together. 
it's in, it's in family veteran services subcommittee on which I sit. So I'm hopeful those things move down the line. If we could end this session with a significant tax cut, an Article 5 convention of states, and, and some election integrity reform, I'm going to feel very good uh, about 2022. Speaking of 22, and we'll wrap up with this, uh, we've got some major races that are going to be going on. You're going to hold, have a whole brand new house. Uh, but the, the the strength that we have right now in the way that our, our our Senate is elected is you're not going to be up for election in 2022. Thank God. <laughs> so <Running>, you, <laughs> my, look, I, run, I ran in 2018 for Congress and 2020 for that Senate, and my wife said I don't want to run for anything for at least four years. So. <laughs> so, so what does it mean as a senator in the midst of this election process as things begin to to work their way through and, and the elections come through? Is there a chance for local communities to begin to recognize they can start making a difference in who they send to Columbia? Yeah, I think there's going to be some interesting primaries around the state. You know, again, it's going to be House races, not Senate races. But, watch, you know, watch the governor's race. I think you're going to see – I think Governor Master's in a safe position. But you're going to see a lot of national issues brought down to the state level as we – this is, becomes a referendum on the first two years of the Biden presidency. And very, very much like what we saw in Virginia – yeah, but we're already Republican states. You're not right. going to see a flip. I mean, we're going to stay Republican, but I think it'll be even stronger. There's a real possibility to pick up some House seats. We have a supermajority in the State House. You may get a few more seats there. There are some folks in the State House running for congressional seats, et cetera. So there may be some vacancies and turnover there. I don't expect it to be a massive change in the House in terms of the, a lot of incumbents, I think, are running for re-election. I don't know of a ton of retirements in the State House. But I think, I think they'll reaffirm that Republican majority in the, in the South Carolina House of Representatives. And that gears us up for 2024 in the Senate. And I hope, based on some of the after redistricting and population growth, there's a real possibility that we add to our already two-thirds majority in the Senate and add another seat or two. Senator Josh Kimbrell from Spartanburg joining us today. Senator, thank you so much for joining us on our Friday edition. Always good to be here. Good. Thanks for all y'all do. Appreciate it. That is Senator Josh Kimbrell here on the Friday edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. We will talk to you next week along with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett.